Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host here for the next hour on the Talent Talk Radio Show. We have a great lineup today uh, with some very special guests, and we're looking forward to hearing everything they have to talk about. And we also have some great guests already scheduled throughout a good part of the year, so we look forward to having you come back and uh, hearing more from those guests. In case this is the first time you've ever... uh, encountered the Talent Talk radio show, or maybe you're joining us today via Periscope. The way the show works is we bring on people who care about talent management, leadership development, company culture, and in the business world, talent really has a couple different meanings. The first is how it relates to success and how really talented people achieve success. And the second is how talent relates to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates for their companies. This show will explore those two areas along with how talented individuals impact a company's culture, something that I'm always fascinated to learn more about. The guests on this show typically include uh, CEOs, HR execs, entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, and just all sorts of fantastic business leaders from all different industries. And when I'm out at networking events, I typically have the privilege of meeting a few of these inspiring leaders, and I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will help you cultivate talent, develop leaders, manage culture, and most importantly, impact your own career in a positive way. I want to thank those of you who are tuning here, tuning in live here every Tuesday. If you have a question for one of our guests, you can simply uh, submit it via Twitter. You can just tweet that question. Make sure you include at PeopleG2 and put in a hashtag talent talk if you can squeeze it in there. Uh, my producer, Mike, will try to feed me the best questions, and we'll work them into this show as time allows. We also love to hear your suggestions for maybe a standard questions we should uh, incorporate any guests we should think about having, or any other feedback you have, send it our way. Also, don't forget you can tune into the uh, podcast either through iTunes, or you can now also get it by downloading the iHeartRadio app on any of your devices. Um, Now we're syndicated on iHeartRadio. And um, make sure you subscribe to the feed and have that show sent to you. You can uh, join the other, I think we're close to 175,000, subscribers now on the feed. And we really appreciate all of you that take the time to Tune in and listen on your drive home or to work or at your kid's soccer practice, whatever you're doing when you're listening to your podcast. All right, so let's go ahead and get our show started today. Both of my guests are in studio, which is a rare treat. Sometimes we don't always get everyone to, to come down here to Costa Mesa. But uh, my first guest will be uh, Bjorn Erland. He's the Senior Director of HR Excellence for Taco Bell and, uh, and Yum in general. So we'll, we'll get get into that. And also uh, Pamela Waisley. She's the CEO of uh, Serious Executives. Pamela will be joining me at the second half of the show, but let's go ahead and get uh, today's show started. Bjorn, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Glad glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, uh, uh, what you're doing for your company, which is actually Yum! Brands. I know we we kind of started with with one of the brands there that maybe people know a little bit better, but, you know, um, people would probably identify Pizza Hut and Taco Bell and KFC, but, you know, what are you doing and how, how are things working over at Yum? Yeah, thanks. So I have been with Yum Brands since 2008, and Yum is the parent company of KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. I work for the Taco Bell brand here in, uh, in Orange County, 
and uh, I lead our, senior, our HR excellence team, which in essence is a lot of the design work that we do within HR. So uh, functions like training, organizational development, compensation and total rewards, uh, wellness, engagement, those type of areas. And, uh, you know, we really try to bring those things to life for our restaurants across the U.S. And I've been at Taco Bell for about a year. I spent some time with KFC in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, along with uh, the Yum Brand Corporate uh, in Louisville as well. And, and so since you came to Yum Brands in 2008, you've kind of had various positions from global talent management to director of training to your current role of senior director of HR excellence for Taco Bell. So what has that journey been like and how, how have you kind of seen growth or change over time in this area of HR? Yeah, the, the growth has been fantastic, and I will say Yum does a great job of developing talent, moving talent, giving talent opportunities to do different things, and I'm a prime example of that. I've This is my fifth role in seven years with the organization, and I've done roles <clears throat> where I really haven't had a, a deep background. For example, the training role, you know, they uh, put me in that role without a lot of training background, but to really grow me and expand my background and expand my growth. And really over that time, you know, a couple things have uh, have come around. I mean, the economy has changed really exponentially since then. You know, we went into 08, 09, 2010, and, you know, the economy was, was falling. And uh, since then, it has recovered a little bit, and the job market is much different. During that time, you also had a lot of technology. So, you know, you look at something like LinkedIn today, and uh, you look at what it was like probably in the mid-2000s, how to recruit people, and you're cold calling, you're trying to find out who works where, and it's really changed the game of talent management and recruitment and pulling people in. And then you look at social media and how people find jobs through Google. So it's really changed the landscape of, uh, of HR and, and really how to go find people in the landscape of talent as well. And then um, the last thing that's talked about quite a bit that we've seen is generations. So you have the different generations in the workforce, you know, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the Gen Ys, and now the Gen We folks who are coming up uh, through through the workforce. And so managing through these different generations and trying to get what they want and see uh, meet their needs and develop them has been, um, has been a pretty big uh, change over time as well. And you really have... You know, if you look from your company overall, you have such a completely different subsets of people that are you're trying to access that you want to go out to. So you may be doing advertising on LinkedIn, you may be doing things in Google, you may be doing things on Monster, but then you may still have to be doing classic newspaper um, or or job drives. Or I mean, you have such a diverse you know class of people, group of people that are working for you and for your franchises that. Is that a real challenge to kind of have to play in so many different mediums? It is. And we find, you know, with hiring in the restaurants, of course, a lot of people look online, right? So they'll type into Google restaurant positions in a certain city and, you know, will our results will come up. We still get a lot of people that do walk into the restaurants and apply that way, you know, if they see a help wanted or they, um, you know, talk to the manager. The other ways that, that is really beneficial for us is through employee referrals. And those have uh, turned out to be really strong. You know, in recruitment, employee referrals are typically some of the top ways to get talent because they usually stick and their friends are there. Um, because we have a pretty strong consumer brand, we tend to attract the people that want to, you know, eat at our restaurants and hang out there. And then they attract their friends. And so, 
those are some pretty good avenues. Um, but then we're also out on social uh, quite a bit with Twitter and Facebook, and we have lots of followers. We have a Tumblr page that we highlight some of our team members living moss in their personal lives, which has been mm-hmm. um, pretty neat as well. So you kind of do have to touch all those aspects and then hone in on what are the what are the key areas that are really going to drive um, strong talent for you and meet your hiring goals. And then if we look at, you know, trying to hire the best of the best for your company, whether that's someone who's working at a Taco Bell or that's someone who's working in corporate, are there then kind of another subset of challenges you have in trying to recruit those people? Yeah, you know, especially as of late, I think the economy has come back, the job economy. And so it's getting quite a bit more competitive out there Mm -hmm. for talent. And so you really have to be able to offer people the strong career paths, you know, um, the great culture, the great environment that is not only going to attract them in, um, but but actually keep them there. And so specifically to our restaurants, we actually do a pretty good job hiring and and recruiting people. Um, It's the retention piece. And typically, you know, there'll be kids that go back to school. uh, There'll be other people that have have to move. And so um, you have a workforce that tends to be a little bit more transient at times. And so being able to attract people that uh, that can stick and, and really um, stay with the organization is, is big. And it's, it is competitive. It's competitive at the corporate level. It's competitive in the restaurants. So having a really strong employment brand is, is key in my mind. So one of the things that I don't know if people know this or not, but Young Brands in general has a, has a really great and kind of unique culture. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you handle that maintenance of that culture across not only your corporate-owned stores, but being able to influence in some way those franchise stores as well yeah when david novak uh when we spun yum off in 1997 from pepsico david novak was our our ceo at the time he's currently our chairman he was very passionate about creating uh, a winning culture and a culture where everyone matters um it's lots of fun and it was really predicated on recognition and he's written a couple books about it the accidental ceo and taking people with you which are great books if you want to read them and learn about culture and how david Mm -hmm. built the culture from scratch when we spun off and so within that we've created these how we win together principles and their principles based on working at Yum and their competencies about you know what we expect from our employees and recognition is a big piece of that. So what we've been able to do at Taco Bell is um, we took those and along with our Live Moss approach, we created um, our brand soul and our hungry principles. And for, um, for each of the letters within Hungary, we have uh, different statements that very much align with the yum, how we win together principles, but they're a lot more um, realistic for team members to understand in our restaurants. We, uh, we started to roll that out about three years ago. And uh, it's been, um, it's taken off and it's done really, really well. And all along the way, we have taken our franchisees with us. We have fantastic franchise partners. They partner with us. They give us feedback along the way. And they're really good at taking um, things that we've developed and really cascading them through their restaurants. The other thing about our franchisees is they really see the value in culture. They see the value that culture is going to drive better customer scores, which in um, turn drives better sales, better profitability. So they really see the business impact of culture, and they've done a really good job of um, jumping on and really driving that um, within the restaurants. We, we actually, the G in Hungary stands for grateful, and we just held grateful rallies across the country this um, uh, past couple months. And what that did is we basically took the team members and said, we're grateful for everything you do, and we want to show you that. And we, we, took them, we took them through some training. We did lots of recognition in those sessions and really well received, and the franchisees were all about it. Well, that's a, a pretty unique thing, and I, I don't remember hearing maybe 
maybe that was something you guys did more directly. It wasn't necessarily a PR thing because you didn't necessarily hear a whole lot about that. But that kind of a an event and that type of appreciation can go so far for people that are down there you know, in the trenches doing the, the, the hardest work within the organization, right? Yep, exactly. And a lot of times it's not necessarily what we find with recognition, and, and David says this in his book as well, it's not necessarily money or rewards. It's really just saying thank you and telling right. them, we're grateful for everything you do and giving them a little card. A lot of times that goes a lot farther than um, money or uh, monetary rewards. I have yet to see a real monetary-based thank you system that actually works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just... You know, it's so simple, and people, you know, they start doing things maybe just to get that Starbucks gift card or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and that instead of just having a coworker tell you thank you, or to have a manager say thank you, or recognize you for, remember that day when that bus of 500 kids got off and we had to make yeah. <laughs> 5,000, you know, tacos in an hour? <laughs> thank you for, you know, kicking butt at that and, and really making it happen and keeping our customer satisfaction scores high and all that. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing people want. Exactly. And one of the things that David did, which is uh, fantastic, is every leader has to have their own personal recognition award. And it's personal to you, and you give it out to people that get great results. And I'll tell you, I've seen some of these... Uh, instances where this these rewards have gone out and i mean people are in tears it's very emotional for them and they really um you show them you care and it's really impactful for them and some of these awards you know they're kind of funny david used to do a floppy chicken at kfc it was a rubber chicken but it would go a long way and people put them up in their offices you know they uh, post them on the wall i mean it's very very big and it's very proud uh you know they're very proud of those things so if we talk a little bit uh here for a second about leadership and look from that leadership standpoint and maybe even specifically at the store, you know, managers or general manager level, what sort of leadership training do you guys do to really ensure that your managers are helping to keep the culture alive and, and, and helping it flourish and and not just kind of sticking with me with the status quo? Yeah, that's a great question. A few years ago, we kind of did an inventory of our training, and, and we do really, really good technical training for our restaurant general managers. We have e-learning. Um, we have shoulder-to-shoulder training with our supervisors. But we realized we had a little bit of a gap around leadership development and really taking it to the next level and being a big leader in the restaurants. So we developed a course called The Mark, M-A-R-K, and we teach it here in Irvine at Corporate. And we've been running it for about two years. We've had about 1,500 restaurant general managers come through that. And in essence, what the course is, we do not touch on anything technical in this course. It's all about finding your vision as a leader, really introspective about how you lead your people and how you go back to your restaurants and establish that roadmap uh, for culture and, and for your people. So what that has done has, has we've had great results in that. And you go to graduation, which is the last day, and people are very emotional. I've heard people say, you know, I was ready to leave the brand, but now I'm going to stay because I came here, I found out that I was part of something bigger, and I really discovered what my journey is going to look like. And so they've gone back to the restaurants, and you know, no, you always have to measure effectiveness of programs because you're investing in them. And so what we've seen is our turnover rate is significantly lower for the participants who've been to the mark than those who have not in the system, and also their their engagement scores are higher. As well, so we know they're taking it back and driving culture within the restaurants. You know, kind of one of the words I heard you say was you know introspective, and most people are not very good at being introspective. <laughs> I mean, that's a quality that you either learn or maybe it's something that uh, maybe a few people are born with. I don't know, but do you find that it's hard to get people to think that way and to really 
dig down deep and get beyond their walls and their blocks and their neuroses and all the things kind of getting in the way of them. I guess being there, maybe their true authentic self. Yeah, absolutely. And our, our, teachers of this class, our, our leaders who teach uh, all the training, are fantastic. And we have someone who used to actually work in the field as a restaurant general manager and, a, and a, a above store leader. And then we have someone who's a little bit more technical on the leadership development side. And they really work with these folks uh, really effectively. We put them in environments where they can be introspective, and we give them really effective exercises to help them think through what that's going to be like and what their vision is, and really kind of distill it down so it's not overwhelming and it's not so difficult, and it's done in steps and stages to where they get the end of the week, they see what their vision is, they see what their plan's going to be, and it's kind of the little pieces all coming together. Mm-hmm. And You know, one of the, the big buzzwords of 2015 has been employee engagement. Um, in fact, probably all the conferences that I've been at and a lot of the ones that I've been able to participate in as a speaker or whatever, they, that t- tends to be the name of it. It's the employee engagement, you know, whatever. That, so that really seems to be a big, big thing that is starting to get some more focus. Um, is there, are there specific things that your company's doing in this area to really engage those people to keep them you know, not just happy, but connected to the brand as well. I mean, so we're talking about there what you do with those those managers, but you you have that person who's just come in the door, who's been there a few months. You know, how do you keep them connected and happy and 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 wanting to to get up in the morning or late at night or whatever to come in and to work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, engagement is a is pretty big buzzword right now in the uh, in the HR community, and I think the first thing about engagement that we focus on is it's got to be tied to business results and it's got to be tied to business performance and we do a we try to do a really good job of that and looking at how does engagement lead to stronger customer scores which ultimately leads to a better business because doing engagement just for the sake of engagement is is not really um, a big idea necessarily and so what we've done is we've partnered with our vendor who does our customer scores is a company called smg and they have a uh, employee engagement survey so we did a pilot last year we had about thirty thousand results from team members in both franchise and company stores. And we took a couple of key insights out of the findings, and SMG was able to correlate it with customer scores, and they did a really nice job of showing us the business impact. But our team members were telling us a couple things. Number one is their number one driver of engagement in the restaurant is being set up to win um, when customers have complaints. So those are not fun situations to be in. They're not fun conversations to have. So they said, you know what, help us out. Help us win in those situations. Help us um, go about those in a little bit of a, a better way. And then number two is we asked them, what key benefits would you really want to see or get help with as part of being a Taco Bell? And the number one thing which surprised us was help with gas. So you think about their basic needs and it's transportation, right? And gas prices were up during one survey and they were down during another, so it, it kind of evened out. The other um, two things they said they needed help with was education and then um, ideally mobile discounts because think about where they spend their money. And so we, what we've done is we took those insights and we put some programs together and we actually launched them at these grateful rallies. And we said, hey, we're grateful for you. Here's what you told us. You told us you want to help with um, customer recovery is what we call it. So we developed a program and there's their little cards. And when a uh, customer has an issue, they come in. Um, we, of course, give them their, uh, their entire order again and, and the right way. But then we give them this card. And on one side, it says, anytime you come back, you get a free taco. Then on the other side, it says, we're going to donate a dollar to our Taco Bell Teen Foundation um, for this for this happening, and so what that does is it gives it gives um, 
you know, a lot of uh, good publicity for our foundation, but it also um, really surprises and delights the customer. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to surprise and delight them. And it, what we found when we tested this is the team members told us, wow, you, you really helped me. You helped me, you know, win in that situation. And it wasn't as tough of a conversation for them. Um, also, at the Grateful Rallies, we, you know, we launched some, some education programs, and we're going to help people to get their high school degree, college degree. And those have been received very well, from, especially with our, our store population. And so that was an instance where we're kind of honing in on what they're telling us are the key engagement drivers in the restaurant. And we're going to continue to do this employee engagement survey. We're doing one right now to kind of see after the Grateful Rallies, what's the result? And have we mm-hmm. moved Have we moved the needle on that? Um, and then a lot of it comes down, too, to having a great restaurant general manager. You know, those folks are typically kind of the parent figure in the restaurant. And when we went out and we looked at s- stores that scored really high in the engagement survey, w- there was one thing that they all did pretty consistently. The restaurant general manager had sit down one-on-ones with each of the employees in the restaurant on a monthly basis. And in those conversations, they didn't talk about work whatsoever. They talk, he, the RGM um, would talk about you know, their life, how they're doing in school. They really showed that they cared. And these, score, these restaurants were scoring off the charts and their engagement, you know, probably the top 10% of the system. And this was all a pretty consistent theme. And so really making sure that we hire excellent managers or promote excellent managers who care about their people and can lead the teams in an effective way is another huge driver of engagement in the restaurants. Well, I think that's... It, it may be a little robotic to say, hey, go have a monthly meeting with every one of your employees. But if you're doing it in the right way, not only are you making sure that you understand what, who they are and what's driving them, but it probably gives a lot of insight as a secondary thing to that general manager to say, this person's going through something. You know, maybe their their mother is ill. And so they're going to need a little more flexibility with their schedule mm-hmm. or they're going to need a little more help here. And so I can give them that empathy and that help as opposed to just, oh, well, why is Sally asking me for this this change in the shift or whatever that thing may be? Now they understand there's a problem, right? Or they understand that that person may be someone who's going to school and is trying to really move up and they may be a candidate to become a manager. That gives a lot that, that general manager a lot of insight. Exactly. Even if it's just a robotic hey, have a monthly meeting with every one of your employees and, you know, yeah, there can be a lot to that. Yeah, we. I, I actually worked in a restaurant when I did some training and the, the restaurant general manager was talking to one of the employees and he pulled me and he said, you know, um, watch this and observe it. So I was, he was talking to one of the employees and, and she was getting, I think, a, a D in English and he basically said to her, you know, you're working right after school, you're not getting your homework done, you know, I, I want you to come back with a, a letter from the teacher to say that you've gotten your grades up um, to get more hours because I want to make sure school is very important and I want to make sure you're doing well in school. That really goes a long way, um, you know, with employees. Oh, sure. I mean, you, you can step in and show that you care, show that you help, you can help. And it's hard to do that. I mean, we get busy in our lives. We we have other things, or customer satisfaction scores, or whatever it may be, or the bottom line, or profit profitability. I mean, just to stop and have a, a human moment with somebody can be really, really impactful. So, absolutely. You know, as a manager of talent, are the things that maybe you guys are doing to ensure that the talent around you is growing consistently and really understanding. You know what? What each of those different components can be from a leadership standpoint. So, you know, are you are you specifically trying to identify people in the stores that 
could become managers? Are you looking at managers who might become general managers or things like that? Are there programs in place? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we do pretty extensive bench planning, and that is really you know succession planning all the way down to the restaurant level. And so we're looking at who can grow into those roles and um, who has the potential, and then how do we develop them from this role to the next role? How long is that going to take? What are the key focus areas that we need to focus on around competencies to make sure that we set them up to win you know, in the next role that they're going into? And then one thing that we do at the uh, above store leader and above at corporate with yum and this is a yum program that we've been doing since i've been at the organization is called the individual uh development plan process it's called the idp for short we have a lot of acronyms as most companies do (laughs) but uh, what the idp is you do a 360 typically we just got done doing those in may and then you roll the results into an idp and it's a mid-year check-in but it's really mostly focused on development so we don't really focus too much on performance and it has on there you know what what role can you stretch to what's the next role that you um, should move into, what's going to be the biggest differentiator in your development for the next year, and then it lays out tactics under that around what you're going to do, whether it's do a short-term assignment in another apartment or you know um, take a leadership course, get a mentor, things of those, things of those nature, and then it has um, on there what you're really good at. So it says, you know, what I appreciate about this person and then how this person can be more effective. And that's really how we give feedback. And so it maps those out. And what you really want to do is align your development plan against the pieces that are um, you're working on to be more effective around. And that tends to really be good because leaders sit down and have an honest conversation about someone's future, how far they can go, what their next role is going to be, whether they're things like whether they're relocatable or not, whether they can go international or not. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be a really nice process. When we bring in people from other organizations, not a lot of companies do that and spend the time to do that. And then we roll that all up into a large, um, broader succession planning process that we eventually report out to you know the CEOs of the brands and, and eventually Yum. So it certainly seems like you guys are really locked into some really key areas, and there's a lot of learning and development that's going on in your organization. So I'm going to guess you're going to have a fantastic answer for me for this next question. <laughs> no pressure, but uh, what book are you reading right now? So um, I just started reading a book called uh, The Good Job Strategy, and uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get her name right, but uh, it's Zainab Tan, and she's actually a professor of operations at MIT. She used to teach at Harvard. She's done about 10 years of research on the hourly workforce within retail, restaurants, and has some really good insights into um, what these folks are looking for, what are some key things that you can think about um, within organizations. She's done deep dives with places like Costco and Trader Joe's to look at their practices, and um, she's developed some really good uh, principles around the hourly workforce and what's really important to them. For example, something like scheduling. Mm-hmm. Scheduling, if they have two jobs, you really need to have good scheduling so that they can tell their other job, hey, I can be available these days. But if you don't and it's erratic, then they can't have the other job and you limit the amount of income. So it's little things like that that she's been able to find in her research that really resonate with um, our workforce you know, within our organization. Right. Well, it's been a real uh, pleasure having you on the show today, and I think we've learned a great deal amount uh, about how your organization works, especially from a leadership standpoint, development standpoint. And we never once talked about tacos or burritos or anything else uh, you know, that <laughs> might have been more obvious. So, if people are interested in, in learning more, maybe they want a job, uh, or their first job at a Taco Bell, or maybe they want to come and work for the corporate brand. Where should they start? What is the best way for them to learn more? Yeah, you uh, for Taco Bell specifically, you can go to uh, TacoBell.com, and there's a career page there, and it's pretty easy to link up through that. Um, yum is, is yum.com, www.yum.com. 
And then um, I'm on LinkedIn. If uh, if you want to find me, that's probably the best place mm-hmm. uh, to get a hold of me, and uh, you can reach out. And I'm happy to uh, to link in with you. So, well, we'd love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the great things you guys are doing. Uh, sounds like you have. Uh, we probably just barely even scratched the surface of, of the wonderful things that your brand is, is doing. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, sure. One thing before we close, I just want to do uh, some recognition for you, Chris. And oh, I have right. a little card here. And we have these in the restaurants. And it has our hungry principles on here. And we always give uh, a card for someone who's done a great job. But I just want to say I'm thankful for you for having me on your show. Look forward to getting to know you. And uh, I also included a couple of Taco Bell gift cards here yes. so that you can go enjoy some Taco Bell. Okay, secretly, that was the only reason that we invited him on the show, so he had free taco. I'm glad I met your expectations. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's the first for anybody on, on the show to give me a gift, so thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. After this uh, quick commercial break, we'll have uh, Pamela Weasley uh, on the show. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget, you can find us, uh, well, all over the place. You can check out your podcast app on your iPhone. You can go to your iHeart app on any device and find us there or go to talenttalkradio.com and listen to past shows. And you can, if you want to listen to this one, if you're listening live right now, you can find it there uh, usually up within a week or two. So, uh, But my next guest is uh, Pam Waisley. She's the CEO of uh, Cirrus Executive. So hopefully I've said that correct because I've now said it incorrectly at least three or four times live on the radio. Hopefully she'll forgive me. But Pam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Love to be here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, what your company does. Well, Sirius started in 2005. Uh, we were started by seven executives, and we started off as Sirius Consulting. And in about a year being in that business, we decided that was not the model we wanted. So in 2008, we switched over to a model that was interim executive management. And I have to admit, I stole the model from Europe. They were using it. They've been using it there for years. And it seemed like a very good model to use over here, especially since the only company that was using it at the time was Tatum Partners. But then in 2011, my business partner, at the time she was my COO, and I decided to do a management buyout. And then this year, we launched our first online talent platform, and now you can go onto our, our website and find your own executive when and where you want. Uh, you can find a, a, a vetted executive at your fingertips. And so that's really where the, the, the model for the business is, is then helping people identify those people that, you know, I guess I would assume meet a particular criteria that they've entered into the system. Yeah, actually, think of us like an eHarmony. eHarmony, you know, you answer a couple questions, and then it gives you a a perfect match. Mm -hmm. Well, we do exactly the same thing, except we only have eight questions, not hundreds like eHarmony has. So you go on, you answer eight questions. As you answer one question, the next question changes. And then uh, at the end of the day, it just uh, goes and automatically selects the best match of an executive to the issue that you're having within your company. So I know every CEO kind of has an own area in their company that they want to focus on. But as a CEO within your organization, what do you kind of feel like right now is your primary day-to-day focus? I actually have two because they kind of go together. Well, you can't have two. No, I'm just kidding. Well, we'll hear, let's hear them both. <laughs> okay. The first one is clients. I have to know what's happening with our clients. Mm-hmm. And that, that includes the interim executives as well as the companies. So I have to know what they're thinking, what they like, what they dislike, uh, where they're going. And then the other side, obviously, is vision. 
I'm a voracious reader, so I, I try to keep up when everything that's out there, especially where my competitors are doing, um, and especially about technology since that's my background. And, and as uh, Sirius works with, you know, kind of all size companies in many areas, because you may have an executive you need to, uh, for one size company, or you might just need your, your first kind of executive in, in your company to come along with an entrepreneur, I guess helping them, helping all these different types of companies fill these business critical roles, uh, you know, what's the biggest challenge you see that a company faces in, in trying to do the work that you're trying to perform here? Well, you know, it's been an interesting um, evolution of this whole interim executive management. It hasn't been until really the last couple years where CEOs and HR departments here in the United States became even familiar and now a little bit more comfortable with using part-time and temporary executives. They mm-hmm. use them at the lower levels, but not the higher levels. Right. So it's just, it's now becoming very, you know, they're, they're starting to use it more. They're getting comfortable with it. So they're hiring us for more than just a project. We're really putting people in there for VP of sales, for chief marketing officer, CIO, etc. It's really interesting you bring that up because I've known a few people that, you know, have been lifelong HR execs and they've now gotten stages in their career where they're consulting or doing anything. They don't really want a, a full-time gig uh, dealing with a, maybe a Fortune 500 company, but they certainly have the talent and the expertise. And so they keep being brought in. It just feels like it's fairly new in the last few years to come in in between in the interim when maybe they're looking for the next one. So the company has the time to make the right decision, but they still have someone sitting there in that seat making sure things are happening, that things are getting done, projects are being finished, and the company's you know interests are being watched out for. But at the same time, extends that runway a little bit to find that right candidate, maybe to, to come into your platform and find the right executive in the eight, eight questions, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, from, from that position of CEO, then how much do you feel... I guess maybe what's helped and shaped the influence, the culture of your of your company. You know, is it you? Is it everyone involved? What really kind of Im- impacts it the most? I think it's the people we selected. We don't have a very we don't have a hierarchy. It's serious. The culture is pretty much about you know no politics. You know, we don't worry about titles. In in fact, we really work together as a team. And interesting enough, you know, we really motivate and push people that way because in in the culture because we really drive them to working as the part of their goal they have to actually be responsible for the goals as well as other people in the company achieving their goals so at the end of the day if you've met all of your goals yeah you did a really good job but if you didn't help others reach their goals your bonus is not going to be as big as somebody who who met their goals and also helped others to meet their goals that's mm-hmm. just our culture and, and that's a maybe that wouldn't necessarily be a culture you would see let's say in a fortune 500 company that's a culture you're going to see in a, a growing and evolving company like yourself that's more would you categorize as more boutique in that way would that be the right word or is that I don't want to mislabel no, you here. No, because I've seen, I've been in large companies, yeah. and, you know, they do push you for those goals, you know, and to meet your goals. But I have to tell you, that pits the management team, the leadership against each other, mm-hmm. whether it's lower level or mid-level or higher level. It's just, it's it's bad for the company. You really need to be all working together and not worrying about, you know, am I going to climb over this person to get to my goal here? 
because usually if you help others get to their goal, they're going to help you get to your goal. So, no, I don't think it's just for boutiques. But yeah, I mean, but I guess my point was is that that's typically what you see at the you know the larger companies that that you know politics and yes, you know absolutely one climbing over the top of the other. I mean, like literally <laughs> <laughs> scratching and you know. Just, I hope not, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do you see a big difference in from a customer perspective in those companies that? You know, are smaller versus, let's say, a Fortune 500 company coming in to use your service? There's really only one difference. In the Fortune 500s, they just take a long time to pick the right candidate, whereas the smaller companies, obviously, they can pick uh, somebody pretty quickly. But and but what I'm seeing evolving now, though, is I used to think that the small to mid-sized companies needed our services more. It was always more fun and, you know, because they really wanted us. But now I'm seeing the Fortune 500 they need us just as much because they are behind their competition. They're not using the cloud properly. Their technology is behind. Um, they're just not, their talent is underused or they have the wrong talent. I mean, so I think both, you know, whether small, medium, large companies could use some, to- uh, some sort of interim, part-time, you know, contract executives to help them get through some of the issues they're having. Right, right. Well, so what sort of expectations do you have of your leadership or you know, management teams to really carry out and ensure the stability of your own company culture? Well, you know, I, I like to see people, I like to really see people stretch their skills. So if you put somebody in a position every once in a while, you know, push them to do something more than what their job description says. Because i got to tell you, even if they make a mistake, they learn more from those mistakes than they'll ever learn from their successes. So I like to see people do that. And, and don't judge them by the number of hours that they work. I mean, remember when we used to work at companies and, oh, my gosh, you know, I'd sit there and go, oh, okay, my boss is going to be leaving any moment now, and I can creep out of here in about 10 minutes after he leaves and gets out of the parking lot. Or I come in early in the morning. It was a numbers game. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to be there as long as you could just to be seen. You know, that's not how we look at it. I mean, if somebody came up to me tomorrow, one of my employees came up and says, hey, you know, I need to go see my son's soccer game. Great. Go, you know, take off. Or tomorrow, if they want to go see the new Magic Mike XXL, you know, I need to leave at noon tomorrow. Great. Go. But just by the end of the month, make sure you've met your goals. That's all I ask. Right. And that's a big shift. And people have to be willing to to understand that if you have key people and the right people doing the right jobs... You know, I, 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 I've given, you know, a small project to two different people, and one of them got it done in an hour. And the other one, it took, you know, three days for them to figure it out because I was trying to give them that stretch opportunity. They came up with about the same thing. But is it is it good that that person was doing that and was busy and, and doing that project for three days? So is activity and, and seeing somebody sitting at their desk is not productivity and it's not success and it's not moving the company forward. It's those end results. And that's something that we were, my company, we went virtual that really helped us because there's now there's no more of that fake, you know, thinking someone's working by seeing them there. Right. Exactly. Or when I leave the office, then they all could, do whatever they wanted to do, right? Because if the boss wasn't there to watch them, I mean, they, they, we had to have their own goals and their own KPIs or whatever it is that we're going to judge them by if we're not going to judge them by how long their butt's been sitting in the chair. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's changing, although it's still certainly the minority opinion, I think, for at least, especially for company, uh, companies in the United States. Well, you know, they should really try that with a millennial because 
the millennials, you give them something, they assess, and they figure out how to do it faster and, and better, and then they just do it. Mm-hmm. So they're not wasting time sitting at a desk or counting hours. I mean, they're literally figuring out a way so they can get off with their buddies after work. Right. It's fascinating to watch them. Yeah, yeah, they're thinking about how do I be able to do that, not yeah, not look good and not have a it's a, it's a really changing part of our of our culture in general as a society, not just our company culture. So, well, if we look at maybe leadership development uh, for a second, do you feel there's a particular key to really uh, developing today's leaders? Again, stretch their, you know, stretch their skills, you know, have them be part of the the decision-making team, have them uh, be part of the collaboration, you know, ask their opinions. I mean, again, this is going back to the millennials. That's all they want. They just want to feel a part of the company. They want to be mm-hmm. passionate about what they do. And the more you do this, the more they're going to engage and they're going to really do a good job for you. And that, that goes across the board to all employees. Have you had a situation where asking someone to kind of go in one of those stretch situations has given you perspective, a, a different perspective about them as far as their core work? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it really, I mean, you thought they could do it, but then seeing what they did going through the process was just, uh, just awesome. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen when like they've surprised me and it's been awesome. And it's like, wow, this person could do more. This person could be more. They, I maybe underestimated them. And then I've had other people where you give them a stretch and you're like, oh my gosh, why did you take where did where were you even heading this is you know so off base that then it started to get me to question well how how well they really doing their their core job and was i over inflating you know my my perspective about them as well right have you seen that and i have and you know that actually works to your advantage because you figure out the ones that you really need to pay more attention to and maybe not move up into a that position or maybe move them to a totally different position mm-hmm. and then obviously the ones that can do it then you can move those guys up so what do you guys do then to really kind of uh, encourage growth and development you, know, you talked about having shared goals or at least they need to help others achieve their goals so that sounds like a, that 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 really does push growth and it pushes development in some way but um you still have to really make sure people are not happy with the status quo because that's really easy to want to just okay everything's happy everyone's going along sometimes pushing yourself to really grow is um uncomfortable it's almost like you know the extra five minutes on the treadmills really hurts so how do you do that and still maintain that kind of uh, setting that you've really set up for your company well you know we expect them to do a certain amount of of learning outside of the company but we'll also put them through some courses and i'll suggest some seminars or or podcasts that they should be listened to or webinars so we're always putting things in front of them that will help them learn. Oh, that's good. So it, it's from a learning uh, perspective. Um, and if you can go to conferences and do those things, those are, those are great. Of course, we're a big fan of podcasts. But, yeah, <laughs> anything you can, I guess, get people thinking and challenge what they're doing. As long as you don't have people running in the door wanting to change for change's sake all the time. Exactly. We sometimes have that in our organizations. We're always talking about this stuff because we have the show and we have these different things. And we can literally have like five brand new ideas and we haven't finished off the other five ideas that we were thinking about doing. So, yeah, that's always a challenge. 
Well, I know, you know, over your career, you've, you've advised, you know, hundreds of companies, and there's probably one or two experiences in particular that maybe stand out to you as, as high as, you know, from your role as an advisor or, uh, I guess, a helper or a, a consultant. Can you maybe talk about one or two of those? Well, you know, um, in, at Sirius, I don't, I don't do any uh, consulting. I mainly run the company. But I'll tell you what I still continue to do is I still continue to mentor and help entrepreneurs. That is mm-hmm. my love, my passion. I love seeing them get to you know each level of or stage of their business. So you know sometimes I'll just mentor them. Sometimes I'll be on their board of advisors. Sometimes the board of directors. That I find just invigorating because again, seeing them get to you know mid level, seeing them get to an IPO, seeing them get to selling their company is just it's just awesome. But, you know, um, what I have done a lot of recently is work with some family-owned businesses. And I just wanted to kind of put this out there because I'm, I'm finding it fascinating. You know, it used to be that family-owned businesses wanted to keep it in the family for 50, 100, 200 years. I'm not seeing that now. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm, I've been talking, I've been now doing some studies and talking to a lot of the millennials, the family members that are now taking over these businesses. And um, a lot of them don't want to take over the business. And the ones that do, they only they only want to keep it for like ten years and then sell it, which I find fascinating. And I said, so why do you want to do that? And they said, well, it's because we want to go off and do something different. We want to learn something new. We don't mm-hmm. want to keep doing the same thing over and over. And that's a whole different perspective than the generation before them and the generation before that. So it's just interesting what's happening in these family-owned businesses. Yeah, I think it's and these experiences are really generated around having these multiple careers. So it's no longer go and have one long career and work for somebody. I think we've seen that that's not a realistic goal anymore. Even if that's something everyone wanted to do, it's not as attainable as it used to be. But I think we've we've realized that there are, and I don't know if a movie, maybe there's like cheesy Hollywood movies gave this idea, but we can have these different lives, right? We can do one thing in our 20s and one thing in our 30s and another thing, I mean, I never would have thought I would be sitting here behind doing a radio show 10 years ago. So um, not that this is a a career choice, but, you know, just there are different things and different experiences in your life that I I don't know why we've we really have kind of moved that. And I'm not a millennial, but I think I'm very much in that thinking in that way. It'd be nice to have a different company every 10 years and it'd be nice to be doing something new all the time Mm -hmm. and learning. But it does bring up a really interesting challenge, and that is how do we have or how do we deal with the need for experts? Because an expert in their field is really someone who has really studied deeply and really understands whatever it is that they're doing. But that means that they're going to be in that job for a long time. Yep. I guess someone in IT could be in a retail company and then all of a sudden go to a service-based company, I guess, and get two different experiences, but their expertise may have crossover. But I see that as maybe one of the biggest challenges that from a millennial perspective, and I'd love to get your thoughts, that there isn't this idea about being an expert and really going deep into something. Yeah. Um, Right now, you're right. I mean, the people that are experts have, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years in their careers, and they've been, you know, they've been doing it for quite a while. You know, what I'm seeing, though, from especially the contingent workforce that's millennial, that's about 20% of the contingent workforce is made up of those, the millennials today. And 
the product, the work product that they're putting out is really quite good. Now, it's typically in graphic artist, it's uh, web development, it's, you know, those types of things. But I got to tell you, it's really good stuff. Now, it's mostly technology oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have but, tools. So they are really good at that piece. You know, are they going to be good at Six Sigma? You know, in, in 10 years, right. like some of our guys have 30 years behind them. I, I don't know. But Not a whole lot of black belts uh, showing up, no. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't really answer that question too well. <laughs> well, one of the questions we always do ask all of our guests, and I'm sure you're going to have a fantastic answer, is uh, what are you reading right now? Well, interesting. I'm, I'm reading The Future of Work by Jacob Morgan. The Future of Work. Okay. I can relate to so much of what he's talking about in this book, especially since we're in the contingent workforce. I mean, it just uh, it just invigorates me as I'm reading this, and especially now since 83% of the companies in today's world are now using more and more of this contingent workforce. But he talks about uh, five trends that are moving this whole future work impacting. It's millennials, mobility, technology, new behaviors, and globalization. Mobility, I mean, you got that. I mean, we all walk around with our iPhones and Mm -hmm. our Androids all the time. You got technology. Every time we turn around, there's some new version of something going on. You've got new behaviors, which is the social media. Everybody's connecting, and they're, they're, they're not talking through the phone anymore. They're connecting through other channels. It's really interesting there. And then, obviously, you got the millennials, which we've already talked about, and globalization. You know, it's still, I still hear a lot of companies talking about, I'm going to post this ad in the newspaper to get this person that I need for my company. Right. Oh, my gosh. You know, what do you want? A, a workforce of C, D, and F players because, you, you know, you're trying to go to your local market. You can't find your talent there anymore, at least not all of it. So globalization is really driving it. And these online talent platforms are really making it easier to get to this global workforce that you're seeing. Well, we've also been spoiled the last few years that we just expect sort of announced to the world, hey, I have this job and people just come running to it because there was a big supply in, in the job market, job candidate pool. But now that's starting to dry up. And so we're having to be a little bit more creative about getting that word out and and really massaging that to find that right person. And maybe those some of the tools that you guys offer is a really important component of that if you're looking for an executive. But, you know, as that starts to shift and it becomes a, I guess that would be a seller, that'd be a seller's market, well, a candidate's market, I guess, because most of them are now employed, and so you're asking them to leave their job as opposed to to stop sitting at home on the couch, which they were happy to do. Now it's, do you really want to leave your safe job? That Come over here and try this thing out. Yep. You know, there's 5.4 million dollar million jobs today that are open. That's the most we've ever had since the year 2000. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's a, that's a lot of jobs. Everybody thinks, well, there's not a lot of jobs because unemployment rate's going down. Well, not not really. There's a ton of jobs. They can't match that job, the, the job to the right person. Right, right. And that gets into my point of view of experts. Well, but anyways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I want to really uh, pr- thank you so much for uh, joining us here today. I really appreciate uh, you being on the show and, and sharing your expertise. And, of course, we all learning a little bit more about serious executives. Hopefully you can come back at some point and give us a little bit more, whatever we, we didn't get to. We always, we always seem to only get to a piece. So if uh, people are interested in learning more about your company, what's the best way for them to do that? You can reach me either on LinkedIn or you can reach me, you can go to my handle on, on Twitter, which is Pamela Wasley. Uh, and it's interesting, I do have lots of conversations on Twitter, so join me there. 
Great. Well, Pam, thank you so much for joining us. And again, it was a pleasure to having uh, you and Bjorn on the on the show today. Tune in live next week, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to hear, uh, here we go, I'm going to see if I can mess up the names here. Lindsay Stanton, Chief Client Officer for Diggy Me and Kristen Homas, that might be the one, uh, Director of Employee Partnerships for Flex Jobs. So, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. <laughs> Ah, the joys of live radio. Well, you're listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2.